appreciate you. Amen. Take your Bible to Psalm 40 tonight. Psalm 40, continuing on in the Psalms and Brother Gravely's study on Wednesday night. Psalm chapter number 40. It's always good to be back home. Amen. And appreciate the good service uh, that we've had already tonight. And I've uh, been looking forward to it, studying and uh, seeking the Lord on this chapter and excited about preaching it. Amen. Psalm chapter number 40. You find your place in the Bible. Let's stand together and uh, read these few verses tonight. Psalm chapter number 40. And uh, look there with me, if you will, beginning in verse number 1. Psalm chapter number 40 and uh, verse number 1. The Bible says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy faults which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. <clears throat> if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burn offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart, but I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. <clears throat> For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. And they are more than the hairs of mine head, and therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. And let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for standing with us. Let's pray together. Father, God, we do thank You, Lord, for Your Word. God, thank You, Lord, for these good songs that we've heard tonight. Lord, how You've stirred in our hearts already. God, we want to thank You for the blood, Lord. We thank You, God, for salvation that's full and free tonight through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we're thankful, Lord, tonight that we know what it is, Lord, to be passed from death unto life. God, we're partakers of Your grace, and Lord, we're thankful for that. God, I pray, Lord, now that You'd help us as we look to the Word of God Pray, Lord, that you'd give us power, give us unction, give us liberty. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to borrow from your power tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd touch us as we preach. I pray, God, that you'd give us ears to hear and a heart to receive the Word of God. And I pray, Lord, that you'd be glorified, that Jesus would be magnified. Lord, I pray, dear God, that you'd help us tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When we look to Psalms 
chapter number 40 tonight. We know this, that it is a psalm of David. David wrote this psalm, and uh, there's a difference of opinion uh, on when he wrote this psalm, at what, what time uh, or the events that were taking place at the time that it was written. And uh, really sometimes when you look to these psalms, there are writers uh, in their commentaries that make a really big deal about uh, when these things were written, but it's not so much as important as uh, when they were written, but what we find written in the text. Amen. And God has breathed this, and God has inspired this for us, and thank God, just as God uh, was a help to David, no matter what time it was uh, in his life, no matter what the circumstances were, uh, thank God the Lord is our helper. Amen. Uh, he is our God, thank God, and He is our help, and we draw our strength and uh, we draw our joy and our happiness from the Lord. Amen. It's not anything that we've done and we find that uh, in the opening verses of the text we find this, number one. Look with me if you will. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. The first thing that we find in this psalm, David begins with his conviction. Amen. We see David's conviction. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Now if you'll notice something this after this evening, this word waited, it carries this kind of meaning. That while David was waiting, he was waiting. We could say it like this in the English language. He waited and waited and waited. And then after he got done waiting all that time, he had to wait some more. Amen. And there are times in life when we have to wait. There are times it seems like God pushes the pause button and life is put on hold. Right now, I'll just confess to you where me and my family are at. It seems like everything's on hold. Amen. We're just having to do what's right in front of us. And God does that in our life sometimes. He'll put us on hold and we don't move this way or don't move that way but He wants us just to sit at His feet and listen for His voice and thank God David said this, He heard my cry. Amen. When it seems like we don't know what's going on. Amen. And we don't know which way is up. Thank God it seems like nobody's listening. But by conviction David believed this that while he was a crying and while he was praying God was leaning down and listening to what he had to say. Amen. Thank God the conviction of the believer is this, is that it may not seem like anybody's listening, but God is inclining his ear unto our situation and unto our cry. Amen. So David says this, while I waited, I cried unto him and thank God he heard me. We see David's conviction, but then we see this, we see David's confession in verse number 2. He said, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. Thank God each and every one of us ought to, ought to memorize that verse. We ought to uh, recite it to our heart because that's exactly where we were. If, you were. if you're saved by the grace of God, uh, there was a day and an hour when you were in depravity and you were in your sin and you were sinking deep in the sin of this life and the sin of this world, the corruption of the flesh. But thank God, God reached down one day further than what you could reach up. He pulled you up out of a cesspool of sin. And not, not only did He do that, uh, but He set your 
feet upon a solid rock. He lifted you up out of that deep dark place and He put you in His life. Amen. Thank God He imparted eternal life unto you and He set your feet upon a solid rock and that rock is Christ. Amen. We see David's conviction and then David's confession. Each and every one of us could put our name right there where He set me. He brought Grant or He brought Brother Laddie or whoever. He brought us up also up out of a horrible pit. Amen. He rescued us and He saved us just in the nick of time. We see David's conviction. We see David's confession. But then notice this, because of these things that God has done, we see David's consecration. He said in verse number 3, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. And as we begin through these verses, we'll not touch on all of them, but really where I want to get to is verse number 6. But in these verses in 3, 4, 5, and particularly 6, David is dealing with the issue of worship. He's dealing with his heart being consecrated unto God. And because of what God has done in his life, because of the change that's taken place in his heart, there are some things that are bottled up on the inside and they eventually come out in praise unto God. You know, that's exactly what worship is tonight. It's a reflection of what God has done on the inward parts of our heart tonight. It's the goodness of God dwelling in our heart. It's a testimony of the grace of God and we begin to think about who God is and what He's done and His works in our life and His works uh, uh, towards other people and eventually that joy and that happiness uh, uh, that's bottled up on the inside it has to come out somewhere so David said this he put a new song in my mouth even praise unto our God. One writer said this when I was reading today. He said He takes our life and He tunes it to the music of God's grace. Amen. We ought to have a song. Hallelujah. We ought to worship. We ought to do something. Amen. To let God know that we're thankful. Just wave our hand. Uh, let it flow out of our lips. Uh, let that joy that it's in abundance flow out of our heart and thank Him for what He has done. When we think about worship, When we think about consecration, look what verse number 6 says, and this is where we're going to draw our thought from. God says this to David, or David is saying this actually to God. He said, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burn offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Now there are just some things, I'm going to labor here just for a moment and uh, talk to you about these offerings and these sacrifices and what they are and what they represent. Look with me in verse number 6, that word sacrifice. And that word sacrifice is a Hebrew word, zibach, which is a general term for the communion type offerings, such as the peace offering. You remember what took place in the peace offering? The offerer would come, and then all the everything was accomplished, and everything was done, and then the offerer and the priest would sit down together in the presence of God, and they would enjoy a, a meal together. But much like uh, what we do when we celebrate communion, when we observe uh, the Lord's table, very similar to that in the Old Testament. Uh, but that's just a general term for those communion type offerings that word sacrifice but then we go further in the text and we say see this he said sacrifice and then he said offering that word offering was a Hebrew minka 
which was a word for the meal offering, which was signified uh, by man's labor and also expresses the idea that there should be no lines between the secular and the spiritual. Man would work and man would toil and man would labor and then he would bring the fruits of his labor to God. And then we go on and we find this. We find that word burnt offering there in the text. That is a word ola. That's a word for the sweet savor offering signifying Christ's life of holiness being wholly offered up to God. And thank God Jesus Christ fully offered Himself and lived a perfect life of holiness and He offered Himself up to God. And then we find the word sin offering in the text. In the latter part, it's the last offering of the last sacrifice we find in verse number 6. That was the sin offering. That's the word kata. It deals with the offerings that deal with the dreadness, dreadfulness and depravity of the human condition, namely the principle and the practice of sin. Now verse number 6 covers every spectrum that there was of offering. It covers just about every spectrum and every generalization that God had laid out for offering and laid out for sacrifice. But David says something interesting in verse number 6. He said, sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. He said, my ears hast thou opened. Now here's what David say. David knows the Levitical system. He knows the law of Moses. He knows all the offerings. He knows all the sacrifices. Uh, uh, David, if anybody... In the Old Testament knew of what God had required. It would be this king of Israel, this prophet and priest of God. He understood and he knew what God required. But in verse number 6, he said this. He said, God, you've opened my ears and you've showed me what you really desire and you've showed me what you wanted. See, David understood by the inspiration of God. He understood that God was not pleased with those forms of religion. He was not pleased even though those sacrifices, even though they pointed to Jesus, and even though they were about Jesus, they never could amount to the fulfillment of what these things pointed to in Jesus. Amen? And what David is doing, David is sounding out a warning against reality, religion without reality. Amen? He's sounding out a warning against sacrifice without sincerity. The New Testament writer put it this way. Paul said this, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Amen. So David said this in verse number 6. He said, Mine ears hast thou opened. That word open literally means this. It means to drill. It's the same word used for when that slave would come in the book of Exodus. And he said this. He said, I love my master. He said, I will not depart. I don't want to leave. And they took that man and they placed him against a tree or against a wall and they bored that ear, that hole in his ear. And he was forever bound to the master. Listen, by the grace of God, we have become the bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, it's not been through the work of our own hands. Amen. It's not been through our own merit. It's not been through our own desires or our own good intentions. It's only been through the sacrifice that she sang about tonight, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to preach for you on this subject for just a few moments tonight on the offering God desires. 
the offering God desires. Those sacrifices and those offerings and those burnt offerings and those sin offerings, they all pointed to Jesus, but they never could measure up to Him. Amen. They were all a shadow. They were all foretelling of what was to come. But listen, the blood of bulls and goats and bullocks, it never could satisfy the wrath of God. It appeased the judgment of God. But He was never satisfied in that system. He was never satisfied with that priesthood. But thank God there was an offering coming one day that would satisfy the judgment of God. It would for not, not only appease God, but it would forever satisfy Him. He would be pleased with it. Amen. And thank God it would redeem mankind forevermore. Amen. And it would become the object of our faith and even our worship. The offering that God desires. That offering is Jesus. Amen. And we can see Jesus in this text and we can find an offering. Uh, God didn't desire the offerings in verse number 6. But we can find what He does desire and what He is pleased with in the text. Notice this, number one, this offering that God desires. Number one, it's an offering that is marked by suffering. It's an offering that is marked by suffering. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 12. The Bible said this, For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. Now, who's this talking about right here? We know David wrote this. David, inspired by the Spirit of God, this was placed in the Hebrew songbook with all the rest of the Psalms. And David is writing this, but I want to tell you something tonight. This is a messianic psalm. David wrote this, but prophetically we see by the hand of God, this is not just talking about David. Yes, these were literal events in David's life. David was overcome by the weight of his sin. David was overcome by guilt. David was overcome by shame. But while David experienced this in the human life, this pointed down the hallway of time to a man named Jesus on the cross. Amen. Look what the Bible says in verse number 12. This offering is marked by suffering. Number one, we see this. It's innumerable evils. These innumerable evils had compassed Jesus about. Well, when we think about these innumerable evils that have befallen the Lord Jesus, the first thing we think about is we think about His suffering at Gethsemane. Jesus was there in the garden. He was praying with His uh, disciples and they fell asleep. And He came to them, we know, different times. And He said, hey, you can't even watch and pray with me one hour. He said, the hour of temptation. He said, it's coming. He said, boys, you better pray. You better labor. You better work. Why, you still can. But they fell asleep. And then finally He said, rest on. He said, take your rest. Just sleep. And then Jesus found Himself alone in the garden of Gethsemane. Don't you know the devil crept up beside him and said, you don't need to do it. Don't go. Don't give yourself. I know what you're thinking about doing. I know what you've got on your mind and on your heart. You'd be foolish to do that. You left the throne of God and this crowd that can't even stay awake with you, this crowd that, you know, they're not worthy of you. You ought to not give yourself for them. But thank God in that, in all of that temptation and when those innumerable evils were compassing him about, thank God the Bible says this, that he went a little further. Amen. And I'm glad he chose to do that for you and for me. Amen. We see his suffering at Gethsemane at the hands of Satan. And then we consider this. He's his suffering at Gabbatha. He suffered at Gethsemane at the hands of Satan. 
He suffered at Gabbatha, the place of the pavement, at the hands of sinful men. Those Roman soldiers came and they, they smote him and they said, prophesy unto us while he was blindfolded. Tell us who hit you. If you're the king of the Jews, if you're uh, who you really say you are, tell us who hit you. And they'd laugh at him and they'd mock him and they'd despise him. And in the midst of all that shame, thank God, uh, uh, don't you know this? It was the will of Jesus to do the will of the Father. Amen. Uh, he told his disciples, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me. Isaiah said that he set his face uh, uh, like a flint towards Jerusalem. Amen. Uh, with every fist uh, uh, that went across his face. Uh, uh, thank God his heart might have failed. Amen. He might have got a little bit discouraged in his humanity. Uh, but thank God it was the will of Jesus uh, uh, to do the will of God. Amen. His suffering at Gethsemane at the hands of Satan. His suffering at Gabbatha at the hands of sinful men. But then thank God he didn't stop there. He went all the way to Golgotha's hill. Amen. We think about his suffering at Golgotha. Who did he suffer at the hands of at Golgotha? He suffered in Gethsemane at the hands of Satan. He suffered at Gabbatha at the hands of sinful men. But I want to tell you this, he suffered at Golgotha at the hands of a sovereign God. Isaiah said this, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I can't wrap my mind around all that. But this one thing I know, thank God He did it for me and He did it for you. Amen. This offering, it was marked by suffering. See, Jesus had to suffer. Jesus had to give Himself. Amen. All of those pictures, all of those types in the Old Testament, that burnt offering where He fully, completely gave Himself, it had to be fulfilled and it had to be done. And thank God for the vicarious suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. It should have been you and it should have been me, but He stepped up in our place and he suffered thank God for you and for me Amen. it's an offering that is marked by suffering it's not only an offering that's marked by suffering but it's an offering that's made for sin look what the Bible goes on to say in verse number 10 he said I have or excuse me verse number 12 he said for innumerable evils have compassed me about now watch this he said my iniquities have taken hold upon me we know that Jesus suffered. But then this offering that He gave of Himself, it's made for sin. Notice some things that the verse says. The Bible says in verse uh, number 12 that they compassed me about. Jesus was surrounded by our sins. And then the Bible says that they have taken hold upon me. That is the stronghold of our sins. He said, I'm not able to even look up. That is the shamefulness of our sins. Everything that we've done that we think about and it makes us blush and it makes us wish that we'd never done it and it makes us wish that we could turn back time. I'm telling you every single one of those sins and every other one hung on Calvary with Jesus and He died in our stead and He died in our place and you think about the faults that ran through His head. You think about the shame that ran through His heart. The Bible said there in verse number 12 that He was so ashamed that He could not even look up. And we see this, the sum of our sins. He said, they're more than the hairs of mine head. Every sin you've ever committed. Every sin you've thought about committing. Every sin of omission, every sin of commission. It was there on the cross of Calvary with Jesus. And then we see this, the side of our sins. That last part of verse number 12. He said, therefore my, therefore my heart faileth me. 
Jesus who stood in the face of political oppression. Jesus who stood in the face of that mob who desired Him to be crucified. He stood there like a man of iron. But at the thought of our sin, His heart failed Him. Jesus was a man in every sense of the word. Jesus spoke, the Bible said, as one with authority and not as the scribes. He was a man and He was tough and He was powerful. But the weight of our sin was almost more than His own heart could bear. He said in verse number 12, Therefore my heart faileth me. Think about the sorrow. Think about the rejection. Think about the sadness that He felt on Calvary. A lot of times we think about the physical pain that Jesus went through leading up to the moments of the cross and then there on the cross. But think about the mental anguish. Think about the emotional wreck that He was as He hung there dying for our sins. It was not only physical, physically painful, but it was psychologically painful. The Bible said His heart failed Him. But thank God that offering was made for our sin. As gruesome as it was, as bad as it was, thank God the Bible tells us this. As we already said, He went a little further. He went to Gethsemane and He didn't let that stop Him. He went to Gabbatha and He didn't let that stop Him. Thank God He did what He came to do and He went all the way to Golgotha's Hill. Isaiah said this, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And thank God with His stripes we're healed. Amen. Uh, thank God every time that kind of nine tails uh, uh, lashed across his back uh, every time they spit in his face uh, every time they cussed his name uh, uh, thank God there was a bridge uh, uh, being built to heaven for mankind amen and the offering was made for sin I'm glad thank God he's that lamb who was slain amen but just like he was that lamb that was slain he's that scapegoat that walked away free amen with a burden of sin upon his shoulders Thank God He took care of our sins at Calvary. No more condemnation. No more judgment. No more burden. No more guilt. No more shame. It was all took care of at Calvary. Paul said this in Romans chapter number 8. He said, there is therefore now, now, right now, in this present state, in this present moment, if you put your faith and your trust in Christ, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Amen. You know who that is? That's us that have been born again. That's us that have been saved. Don't get excited. I'm just talking about your sins are gone. Hallelujah. They're no more. You say, well, the Old Testament says they're as far as the east is from the west. Amen. And I like that. Job said this. He said, God sealed up our iniquity in a bag. Uh, Micah, I think it was, said that he cast them behind his back. Amen. Uh, the only problem with that is, amen, is if you go this way or you go that way, eventually he'll run into my sin. If he turns around, he might find I'm a sin. If he goes to the depths of the ocean or he opens up that bag, he might find my sin. Uh, uh, but all those are pre-Calvary. All those are Old Testament. You say, where are my sins? Uh, they're gone. Hallelujah. I can't find them and neither can he. And I'm happy about that. It's an offering that was made for sin. I like what Brother Ballou says about that. He says, somebody asked him one time, well, if that's the case, where's our sins? He said, I don't know. He said, the last man that have them forgot what he did with them. So how do you expect me to remember? Amen. 
Don't know where they are. They're gone. They're took care of. They're blotted out. The record's clear. Hallelujah. The offering was marked by suffering. It was made for sin. But then I want to show this. It's an offering that is manifested through strength. It's an offering that's manifested through strength. Look what the Bible says in verse number 13. Now, let's check back into David for just a moment. David said this. He said, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. He said, Lord, while you're listening to me, while I've got you here, I want to tell you all these things. And then, oh yeah, by the way, Lord, could you hurry? Could you make haste? In verse number 13, he said, Be pleased, O Lord. And then in verse number 14, he said, Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. He said, Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. But then David says this in verse number 16. He said, Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. Now listen, David, he depended on God. He's a great example. But even better than David, we check back into Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ being our great example. The greatest example that ever lived for us. Listen, we we apply these words to Jesus when He's on Calvary. He said in verse number 13 again, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha. Then verse number 16 again, Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. Listen, we're thinking about our consecration. We're thinking about our worship. We're thinking about the offering that God desires. I said at the beginning, each and every one of us ought to worship. Each and every one of us ought to magnify God. But there are some parameters that God puts upon our worship. We see that this offering is manifested through strength. Number one, we find strength in helplessness. Strength in helplessness. Verse number 13 says this, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Now David was in a helpless situation. And you think about Jesus Christ. Jesus, as He hung on Calvary, He was in a helpless situation. You say, I wouldn't say that about the Lord. Well, listen, He put on flesh. He came to where we were. He knew what He was doing when He came. And when He hung on Calvary, God forsook Him. Man forsook Him. He knew what it was to be alone. And He cried out in His spirit. He said, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. There is strength in helplessness today. Listen, we think that we can do everything upon our own. We think that we can make everything happen. We think that we can turn the wheels that need to be turned and accomplish what needs to be accomplished. But the fact of the matter is, is you can't do it and I can't either. We need God's help. Paul said this, he said, His strength is made perfect in weakness. When we get to the place where we say, Lord, I, I can't do this. Yeah, that's worship. That's depending upon the Lord. Amen. There's strength and helplessness. But then there's strength and honor. There's strength in honoring God. Look what he said in verse number 16. He said, let all those 
that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. Listen, when Jesus came, He did not do a solitary thing for Himself. He said, The Lord be magnified. In our life, in our worship, in our daily walk, what we ought to say is, The Lord be magnified. And when we come and we stand in the house of God to testify or we come to sing a song or we come to lift our hands in adoration and praise of the Lord, the the thought process of our heart ought to be, the Lord be magnified. A lot of people want to hang their hat on what they've done. They want to boast in themselves. But brother, you go back to the first three verses, we couldn't help ourselves. David could not help himself. He was in the miry clay and he was sinking fast and deep. But thank God, God reached down. And because of that, David is magnifying the Lord. And we see there's strength and helplessness, there's strength and honor, but then there's strength and humility. Look what he says in verse number 17. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. I'm poor and needy, but Jesus thinks about me. Say, God, who's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, He knows everything. What's, what's somebody like that think about? I'll tell you what He thinks about. He thinks about you, and He thinks about me. Poor old me, little old me. Nobody knows my name. Nobody cares who I am. Now, I got news for you nobody cares who you are either. But the Lord thinks upon us. He thinks about us. Thank God His thoughts are consumed with you and me. He sent His Son Jesus to die for us. He left the throne of glory. He left the glory world. And He came to where we were. Walked in the human experience. Lived as we lived. And He gave Himself for our sin. Amen. Thank God He thinks about you. And He thinks about me. i tell you the offering that God desires not the work of our hands, not burnt offerings, not sin offerings, which those offerings, they don't really apply dispensationally anymore, but you get what He's saying. You get the picture. The work of our hands. You remember when Cain and Abel came? I'll say this and I'm done. Remember when Cain and Abel came before God to worship? What was Cain? Cain was the tiller of the ground. Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain, he worked so hard, planted a vineyard or whatever. He came before God and he offered that up before God and God just looked at it and said, that's not what I'm looking for, boy. Cain was mad and Cain was wroth. Cain was upset. Then Abel came. He brought the firstlings of his flock, the Bible says, and the fat thereof. I believe he brought enough offering for Abel, or excuse me, for Cain. And he brought that and God looked at it and said, that's what I'm looking for. You say, what was the difference? Blood. Blood made the difference. You know what make the difference in your life? You know what make the difference? You may be here tonight and you may be lost without Christ, headed for hell. You know what will make the difference in your eternity? Blood. Has the blood been applied? Have you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ? Let's stand together while they sing. Maybe you need to come.